Welcome back to the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. Today is Wednesday, January 12th, and this is episode 139 of the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. If you like what you're listening to, you can uh, go ahead and give us five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, We're on Amazon Podcasts, too, if anyone uses that. I don't, but if you can give five stars on there, we'd really appreciate it. If not, oh well, we don't really care. Um, let's talk uh, some sports today, folks. Uh, we've been doing a lot of Marvel lately, which has been fun, a little Star Wars. But we know that people need a, a good dosage of sports here on the Pineapple Couch, and that's uh, one of the New Year's resolutions for 2022 here on the couch. So expect to be hearing a lot more sports. And um, unfortunately, uh, we got to talk about the Chargers to start it off, but then we're going to go through the NFL playoffs, deep dive each playoff team, go through the wild card round, betting preview, all the odds so far. And then we're going to give uh, talk a little bit about the MVP award of this NFL season. And then we're going to do our all pineapple couch team, which is essentially our version of the all pro team. We'll, and it'll probably be very similar. Um, and then later on in the show, stay tuned. I will be joined by Alex Cantor to talk about uh, the return of Clay Thompson and the five biggest surprises of this NBA season. All right. The opening rant is over. Andrew Radcliffe, big dog. Happy 2022. Uh, how we doing? Happy 2022. Uh Brutal start to 2022. Brutal. Brutal. Um, Yeah, so let's get into it. Um, As you guys know, big Chargers fans here on the Pineapple Couch, and they chargered it up in that uh, season finale. I mean, it's just it's the same shit every year um, with just the the cruelest way to lose every single fucking time happens. They lose to the Raiders in overtime, 35 to 32. Let's start with this game specifically andrew and what went wrong with it the first thing we got to bring up is brandon staling coaching early in the season you and i were both really drinking this brandon staley kool-aid part of that is i think that we were used to anthony lynn so anybody was going to blow our minds i think we should get a little a little credit for that but throughout this season and specifically it was kind of epitomized in this game he made some very questionable decisions as a head coach, and it's very analytical. It's very uh, go for it on fourth down, fuck the field goal, which you'd think as a Chargers fan we would like because we have such bad history with field goals. But it this game, let's just talk about it specifically. I'm talking too broad here, Andrew. Going for it on fourth and two on your own 18, running it up, you're giving away three points. I mean, how do you rationalize I, I want to know play? what was going through his mind. Like, we're, we're all four going for him fourth and, like, fuck kickers go for two here and there. And then by, like, week seven, eight, nine, he started just getting carried away. Where it's like, like, you had the tweet where it's like, yeah, bro, we get it. You go for it on fourth. You're cool. We've done it a couple times. We don't need to do it every single time. I want to know, because <sighs> what led up to halftime, we had that ridiculous pass interference call that yeah. was – the That's ball's on the other side. Bullshit. Anyways, they score, and then they're up 17-14. There's been no momentum the entire game for the Chargers. I don't know mm-hmm. what he saw. They were playing from behind. And the first two plays, you are gonna you're, you have a three and out. And it's, you're on your 18-year line. There's like 12 minutes left, and it's a three-point game on the road with the playoffs on line against the freaking Raiders, and they have you right now. And you're going to go for it on fourth and three and give us a Darren Sproles run up the middle and just get absolutely Worse. obliterated. It's, I just want to know what what the hell was that? And then, but to 
like when the TV is like, well, here's the analytics stats. Fuck if that. they got that first down, dude, it was only a 45% chance to win. It's not like going for a first down on the 50 or the 40 to get into field goal range. This is your own freaking 20. You'd have to get two or three or more first downs. And the way the offense was, so it was night and day, like every week, mm-hmm. they looked awful on that offensive run. And then it just, I mean, they just gave just, up points. They just the, gave them three points. And how many times did they lose by three points this year? That's, that's, the, that's the big issue with it is you have a coach who has really clearly made a name for himself in not just settling for the points and taking the field goal. And then when you're just giving away three points like that, how do you expect to win games in a game where, my God, every Chargers game comes down to a field goal score? You you need those points. Giving away three points like that. I, just how do it's you how do you follow this guy? And I mean, there's no consistency. Point, you got to lose the locker like that. That play call is so baffling, and I. Am I overreacting? Like I, I honestly, a part of me thinks honestly we should just fire him. That was so That's bad. Like, I that mean, that was, was like, how is he? Dude, he's just going to do this again, Andrew. Yeah, he is. And it's like he's so aggressive. It's like you're no just regret, going dude. to you're Zero going regrets. to run into these problems, especially like in the playoffs. Like imagine next if they played Buffalo, same thing would happen. He'd be put in a situation. They just go for it, and eventually. It's just like it's so many gut punches and there's so many times they have to switch the momentum back over. And it's like you can only do that so many times. You can only say, all right, guys, we're going to go for a fourth and three because that's what we do. We're badass. And it's just like, like dude, you're on the they haven't been line. doing well on fourth. I mean, yes, they were six for six. But when they were going for it on Brandon Staley's terms, they haven't been as good on it the past like month or so, I would say. And even when they played. Uh, the Broncos or something, they were kicking field goals, and they never lost momentum of the game. You know why? Because they just took the points sometimes. Take the and points, it's not take like Derek Carr was like, I know it was the Broncos, and they had was a backup quarterback, and Derek Carr is better than that. Derek Carr just throws the ball down the field hoping for pass interference. So like, you're not I, playing the Chiefs or the Bengals here. It's, it's not like you're going to shoot out necessarily. Exactly. It's gonna, <laughs> exactly. But answer this question. like, How do you take not take him seriously – I mean, it's, it's, it's like, like become a joke in like five weeks. It's almost, I mean, they've just become such a laughing stock. And now it's like, haha, Brandon Staley. And what do you think? Like, I mean, Eckler at the end when they, when they're going up shaking hands and like. Okay. So we're going to talk about that timeout that was just dumb as fuck at the end of the game, which yeah. I mean, maybe they still kick the field goal or they don't, if they don't get it. But I mean, also, I just think. First of all, if your reason for the timeout was so to get the defense some rest so they could uh, like not let the, let up that run that they let up. Dude, the defense like wasn't on the f- uh, field at all in that fourth quarter. It was just the offense. So the defense shouldn't have needed a blow. And I just think it's an element of tinkering. You know that guy in fantasy football, Andrew. And there's there's one of these guys in every single fantasy football league in the world. They have a fucking spectacular team. They are hitting the waiver wire as good as anyone. So they have a deep team. And what do they do? They start tinkering. They start, oh, the upside of this player. And so you end up sitting Joe Burrow in the championship game of a fantasy football playoffs when he throws for 400 yards. It's stuff like that. And I feel like Brandon Staley in this analytical stuff, you kind of get lost in it. It's like, it's just dumb. It's like, oh, Jalen Hurt. Like, here's here's an example of I'm going to relate it to fantasy football because I don't think I explained that well. 
you're going into a championship game in fantasy football and your options are Joe Burrow or Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has the analytical thing for fantasy football where it's like, oh, he's going to run and maybe that upside. But if you just look at it straight up, Joe Burrow is better than Jalen Hurts and you should do that. And I feel like with analytics and Brandon Staley, there's an element of him where it's like, dude, your team's good. Just take the points or stop fidgeting. Stop trying to change it. It's like he, he why, became too uh, inconsistent because I seriously think the first deflating. 12 weeks like they were going for it and it was. You know, for the most part, things were going well on fourth down. And then they the Chiefs game got in their head a little bit. And for two or three weeks, they were normal. And then all of a sudden, when they have no momentum in this game, they're like, we're going to be that first one through week Chargers and just go for it. It's like, dude, you got to look at your team and look them in the mm -hmm. eyes and realize where they're at sometimes. Because what does analytics not account for really is like, hey, yeah, so the percent, let's say it's like, yeah, 53% chance to get it uh, the first down compared to whatever percent chance to get to right. a field goal and you're like oh i should do this how do they factor in though that your team for the last like five weeks has been in the news and you for like fucking up on fourth down that the confidence for them on fourth down in some of these plays is not there and you need to factor that in and last thing on the one on fourth and two on their own 18 when they did that most part, the the one thing I will give people when they defend Staley always going for it on fourth down is he's putting the ball in Justin Herbert's hands <laughs> and I, I, I agree with that, like it to a certain like I want them to take points in most situations. But Justin Herbert is that spectacular of a player where he can make plays. Yes. On your 18 running. And why it up do the they run it with Austin, Austin Eckler? Eckler? Why do they give us the Darren Sproles up the middle? Why did they do that? That was the most Chargers thing ever. Um, they and panicked. I mean, you just it's, absolutely panicked. It's it's like giving up that long run. Um, the on fourth and twenty or third and twenty three, it's just these little things where your team doesn't have guts, they don't have balls for lack of a better word, and they let you down every year and they're cursed. But I want to talk about this, Andrew. You mentioned this earlier, Justin Herbert, his outstanding fourth quarter. Um, before we get to that fourth quarter specifically, his stats this season, I have it pulled up right over here to my left. I mean, he throws for 5,014 yards, 38 <laughs> touchdowns, 15 picks, and 97.7 passer rating, 65.9 completion percentage. Um, none of this blame is on Herbert. Herbert is a superstar. He is a superstar, and that fourth quarter was mesmerizing, and he's so good that he almost overcame the mistakes that the Chargers were making. I mean, think about the special teams fumble, more stuff like that. Um, you have here yeah, in our notes. So much happened. I forgot about that. The, so much so much shooting yourself in the foot by the Chargers. Herbert, you had six for six, 106 yards on fourth down in this game. Bro. Derek Carr had 180 yards in five quarters. Just fourth so, down. Six passes on fourth down. I mean, it's unbelievable. They're annoying. Um, mm -hmm. So where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? We're going to get to the Raiders and how they'll – we'll talk about the Raiders when we get into the playoffs. But we have Mike Williams as a free agent. I say what he he's proven to be the number one target this year, I think, with Herbert. I think, yeah, because okay, Keenan Allen kind of disappeared a little bit this year. Uh, oh, the Chargers yeah. led oh. – the league in drops with 33. The next closest with the Steelers at 28. I think part of that is because Justin Herbert just throws it so freaking hard, but also, like, catch the goddamn ball. Yeah, catch the fucking ball. Um, I'm with you. Like, Mike Williams, I don't want to overpay him, but we need who, who, yeah, besides we need him. Keenan Allen, who else? 
I want to franchise tag him or whatever you can do and then spend the rest of the money on the defense. They have to fix the defense so bad. Staley I mean, said the D-line is going to be the focus. Well, it better be. I hope so because better get some defensive coordinator too. who's so great at the Rams, literally to have the 29th overall defense. I mean, bro. What the fuck? He said he's proud. He's happy with how the he's, defense yeah, went this year. Yeah, he's been very proud of the players. results. It's about the uh, the the progress. It's like, See, shut the fuck up. We suck. That's what Joey Bosa was saying. And it's like, but Joey Bosa has to say that when he was getting interviewed. He's like, oh yeah, I mean the system's hard and it's master. It takes a couple years to master. No, I want the system to be good immediately because there's Joey Bosa three or four take more years long. with Justin Herbert and this team, yeah. and you have to capitalize. So there are obvious holes to fix this Chargers team. I, I, it is on defense, and you, you retain Mike Williams. Maybe you can get a guy similar to how like, the Bills added in Emmanuel Sanders. I know that hasn't worked out perfectly, but you know what I mean. Maybe He's like a, a free agent. Hooks, something Michael Gallup, like that. At, Chris Godwin. Add something like that. That would be huge to really bolster that offense. But if we can re-sign Mike Williams, I'd rather fix what's going on in defense before making a splashy wide receiver signing. Because even though how great it would be to have those wide receivers, hopefully you can get lucky with someone in the draft. And you're not doing anything, no matter how good your wide receivers are, with how that defense played this year. You're just not. So that's the biggest thing they need to fix because Justin Herbert is a future MVP if we put him in the right situation. Bro, he's the only superstar quarterback not in the playoffs. It's really frustrating. It's he's the only one. And the Chargers, I mean, big. It's just so Chargers, dude. It is, and it's just, I mean, like you say, different director, different cast. It's the same goddamn movie. He's an idiot. Tom, get out of here. Let's go. Fuck that guy. Take Spanos with you. Yeah, seriously. Um, so that that'll conclude a little Chargers talk. We could go on, but it'll just be more f bombs and just fuck. We suck. So. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's talk about the uh, NFL playoffs. How we're going to start this is we're going to go through each team and then we'll go into the matchups. Um, the first team I want to talk about, we're going to start in the AFC, Big Dog. You got the Tennessee Titans who get the number one seed, finishing 12 and 5. An absolutely incredible, incredible year as a coach from Mike Vrabel. Um, we're we're going to, I mean, I should just say this now, I guess. He's the coach of the year, no question, correct? Absolutely. No the question. most overlooked team. Mm-hmm. You already know Henry was out, and they got the number one seed. Yep. And so how did they do this without Derrick Henry? Well, we saw a massive improvement or boost from their defense last year. I don't know if you remember. Their defense was just such shit last year. In the safety play of Kevin Byard and Armani Hooker, they really just have elevated this defense. Tannehill has been pretty average this year, but he's been winning. So I'm not going to like fault him too much. He survived the Derrick Henry time. And um, Derrick Henry is expected back for this divisional round, big dog. And this might be a recency bias or revealing my age a little. So listeners, if I'm wrong, feel free to let me know. I can't remember a more more important buy in the playoffs in the history of the NFL than the Titans getting Derrick Henry. Because from what it sounds like, Derrick Henry probably wouldn't have been able to go in this wildcard round. And they right. want to be cautious. So them getting a, a potentially healthy Derrick Henry in the divisional round, I mean, can you, I can't think of a bigger buy than that in recent history. Yeah, especially when it's only them getting the buy and then the Packers on the NFC. It mm-hmm. really helps. Yeah, and um, they are a team who, if Derrick Henry comes back 
and is Derrick Henry. And hey, Julio Jones and AJ Brown getting healthy. Tannehill maybe has a nice playoff run. I would not be surprised if we see the Titans pulling off kind of like a, a holy shit, the Titans just won the Super Bowl. Because if Derrick Henry is healthy, he is the type of guy who can dominate three straight games in a row, especially if he has fresh legs somewhat. You know what I mean? I mean, just in the, the amount of games they've just pulled out their ass to come back and win from when you just think they're done. Mm-hmm. That matters to pull games out like that. That matters. It, it does. And it would seem they'll probably get... Um, if I had to guess, looking at how the playoffs are looking, they'll probably get the winner of Beg- Bengals Raiders in the second round. Yeah. And I like I, I like um, the Titans with the Derrick Henry versus either of those teams. I think it would be close, especially the Bengals. But I think the Titans could pull that out. Um, next team, the Kansas City Chiefs are the two seed in the AFC. They finished 12 and five. Um, and here's what I want to talk about with the Chiefs. It's pretty simple. The Chiefs are who we thought they were going into the season. Their offensive woes this year were overhyped. It's fine. They have Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Andy Reid. Their offense is fine. Those woes were massively overhyped. You know what also was overhyped, though, was their midseason defensive improvement. Massively overhyped because it happened during such a soft schedule, Andrew. Like, Charmin ultra soft schedule. So my point with this is they are who we thought they were. They are a dynamic, maybe the best, certainly the best when it's on offense, the Chiefs. And the defense is kind of average hit or miss. And so this whole season, people were trying to we're trying to convince ourselves, oh, the offense is changing and it's the defense is doing this. No, no, no. The Bengals game is an example of this. The Chiefs are who they thought we thought they were. They are a good team. They are a Super Bowl contender. But let's be honest. It's their offense carrying them. Stop hyping up. And I'm guilty of this, but, I mean, their offensive woes were so overhyped, they're fine. I'll be honest. I still kind of bite. I know they had an easy um, run with the defensive stretch. I still kind of like it. I still kind of like their defense. I I, I, I think it's overhyped, and I know they, they the game Aaron Rodgers missed middle. it. It's just like I think it's better than it was weeks one through four. And yeah, I still and I think, think it's going to be true. like. But isn't that what I guess what I'm saying is, isn't this what their defense has been the last couple of years? Yeah, I guess they we didn't think they were going to be that bad the first couple. Like weeks. They started so but... bad, which so we saw the improvement. And I think people saw the improvement of, oh, maybe they're jumping into a top five. It's like, no, no, no. They are what they have been. They have players who can make plays. Um, so and. To be honest, the playoffs start for them in the divisional round. This game does. They're going to fucking steamroll the Steelers. Absolutely. Big Ben can't throw it more than three yards. Yes, that'll be a route. That's uh, it's Glad such we get a bummer to see that him we have the... to see him. Such a bummer. God damn. Big Ben over Justin Herbert. Uh, the three seed is the Buffalo Bills. They finish 11-6. and six. Um, This isn't going to be surprising, but I'm all in on this Bills team, even after the quote ups and downs of this season they were my super bowl pick before the year i am sticking with that um josh allen is a playmaker i trust him in, in these big games i trust josh allen and i think he can go win you games he's also the number one fantasy qb again and what happened this year is the emergence of devin singletary really fixed their number one problem in all those big struggles they had it was just they couldn't run the ball the only option they had was josh allen and you saw them 
like get goose egged or only put up six points against the Jags in some weird, weird games. Um, and Devin Singletary at the end of this year just exploded onto the scene, adding another element to their offense that I like. And Andrew, Stephon Diggs and Dawson Knox can be the Bills version of like Kelsey Hill. I think those two are good enough. And they also have the best defense in the league. So that's yeah, pretty good recipe there. It's, it's going to be crazy. It's like the third time they played in what, seven weeks? Mm-hmm. Bills I think Patriots. Fucking kill them. But it's just the weather, I guess, is the. Gonna, I think it's just going to be like 13 degrees clear. I already looked it up. Okay. Uh, I think that uh, the Bills are going to kill the Patriots, but we'll get to that. Um, when we get to that matchup, and we'll obviously talk about the uh, Patriots. Uh, four seed, Andrew, in the AFC. The AFC North champions is the Cincinnati Bengals, 10-7. Uh, and seven. Um, It's kind of simple with the Bengals because Joe Burrow is elite. Joe Mixon and their wide receiving core is elite. Their defense, very hot and cold. So what what version of that shows up is going to play a big factor in how they do in this playoffs. But I do think it all comes down to this question. Because we kind of know what we're getting with those playmakers in Burrow, like I said. Do we trust Zach Taylor, their head coach? No. I I, I think don't think so either. I have an upset alert, unfortunately, for this oh, week. Oh, shit. Yeah. Just to tease there before we do okay. our predictions. Is it on this, the hot and cold? Because the defense, I mean, there was a point this year where people were really hyping up this defense, and then they just kind of are Jekyll and Hyde yeah, to a it's, point where I don't trust I just them. think, I mean, when it's your first road playoff game and the Raiders are stupid, there's going to be stupid flags because Derek Carr's an idiot. Oh, and oh. And Max Crosby's going to eat that O-line. Yeah. I mean, there's just going to be a couple plays here and there, and I think I think the Raiders are going to beat the Bengals. Interesting. This somehow, Bengals team, though, I do they weren't going to have to play the Bills and the Chiefs. The Bengals. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about that five seed. The Raiders, they finished 10-7. and seven. They went four straight to end the season. Max Crosby, as we just mentioned, playing at an elite level. Hunter Renfro, most underrated wide receiver in the league. He's, he's so he's good. Ma- he's Wes Welker right now. He is the next potential Cooper Cup. Like if Russell yep. Wilson somehow were to come to the Raiders or Aaron Rodgers, Hunter Renfro would have the Cooper Cup year like we saw with Stafford. And uh, you know what? I'm not going to say sorry for that shot at Derek Carr. I'm still bitter that we lost, so fuck you. Um <laughs> You seem to think they have magic left, because that's my question here about this. Raiders one teams. more week. Do this they is their have last week. Left? The Raiders have one more week of potential. This is the best matchup for them, because it's like it was either the Chiefs or the Bills. So, yeah, the Bengals, Zach battle. Taylor, Joe Burrow's first game. It's very possible. And by the way, just looking at the stupid AFC playoffs, Chargers beat every single one of those teams. They didn't play the Bills. They didn't play the Titans. They lost the dumb Patriots, but they beat the Bengals, Raiders, Steelers, and Chiefs. Oh, my God, it was so wide open. It was so wide open, and they just pissed it away like they do every year. Patriots, number six seed, 10 and 7. Is Mac Jones going to throw it over 17 times this game? Probably not. I mean, here's my thing with the Patriots offense. I do not – I don't know if you've noticed, ladies and gentlemen, Big Dog, what I'm kind of doing is setting the stage for these playoffs is trying to figure out what we know for sure in these teams – Going into this, like what we've learned, like, so I don't trust or believe in Mac Jones. I didn't during the height of him this year because I don't because I think he was in a perfect situation playing bad teams. And he certainly didn't finish good or well. I don't know how to speak English sometimes. I don't trust their weapons. 
as wide receivers or tight ends. But here are the three things why we should still take them seriously. Bill Belichick is terrifying. He is a terrifyingly good coach. Their running game, their group attack, has been elite this year. And their defense is great and only plays better in the playoffs. So the question to you, Andrew, it's kind of all on Mac Jones. Yeah, they have to. They literally just can't fall down by like 10 or 14 points because then there's no way that they're coming back. And they're playing the best defense in the NFL. I mean, we'll get to that, but Mac Jones has a huge, it's kind of, we know what we're going to get out of some aspects of the Patriots. And if Mac Jones, the only way they win this game is you get a lot of turnovers on the Buffalo side and Mac Jones plays out of his mind, right? Yep. Stalin can turn it over. I don't think he's going to do it though this week. I don't either, but uh, we'll get to that in a second. Um, Let's talk here. About the seven seed, the Pittsburgh Steelers, nine, seven, and one. That goddamn tie. It fucked us. I knew when it happened. We, we the said it. We're going to make the playoffs because show. of that. Uh, Big Ben's washed. Their O line is so bad, it makes Najee Harris look average. Najee Harris is a beast. Um, great defense. Um, Tomlin, if Vrabel didn't do what he did this year, I think Tomlin is a coach of the year candidate. The fact that he made this team make the playoffs. He reminds me of Eric Spolstra, the Heat's head coach in a way, of just guys who have been in a place for a while and are able to adapt their rosters midseason no matter what to make the playoffs. And I, I you NBA fans out there uh, like that comparison, let me know. But I, I was thinking about that last night. That's, that's all I have of the Steelers. I don't, this is, they're playing the Chiefs. They're going to get steamrolled. There's nothing else to say. I mean, congratulations, TJ Watt. That's cool. Fuck but- you, Big Ben. Fuck you, Big Ben. Why are we acting like he's a good guy? I don't know. I don't, just because it's his last year. We're just doing the, like, the farewell we, tour. All of a sudden, everyone likes shit? Big Ben. No one ever liked Big Ben. I don't get this shit. Um, all right, NFC preview. The number one seed, Green Bay Packers, 13-4. and four. They have uh, basically a hot and cold, above-league-average defense, getting back two of its best players, Jair Alexander and Zadarius Smith, for the playoffs. Um, I want to apologize to the old people listening to this podcast and preface this with, I was not alive for Joe Montana and Jerry Rice or Steve Young and Jerry Rice. So I can't say that because that, I was not alive. Rodgers to Adams is probably the most unstoppable combo of quarterback wide receiver I've ever seen in the NFL. It is fucking crazy. I put it up there with Manning and Harrison, Brady and Moss. Moss. It's unfucking real what those two can do together. They're just it's unreal. They're so dominant. It's like they're not even trying sometimes. Yeah, they've been on the same page every single play. And and I mean I kind of am under the assumption that they're going to go where together. If yeah, there is, you want to hear something scary? There's oh, some uh, with Vic Fangio being fired. We good should take defense. Him. There's um, some rumor. I mean, the Rogers to Broncos rumors are really starting to heat up here. Isn't that just wonderful? Oh, Rogers, Herbert, Mahomes. Not even going to say Derek Carr. Derek Carr division. Fuck. Um. So. Keeping on, we'll focus on the Packers for now. God, that sounds like a terrible 
uh, world to live in with uh, Rodgers on the Broncos, though. Uh, Jones and Dylan provide a great running game for them. And um, so we know what we're getting. I guess can Lazard or Scantling step step up for them? Does it even matter? I think this team is going to... Yes, I think it does. I okay. do think it will you matter. You think that's what takes it over the top think... this year? Because I think once you get to the get to a point with some elite teams, anyone can shut down your top wide receiver. Even if it's Devontae Adams, it's going to be very difficult. But you throw Jalen Ramsey on him. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, I though need do anticipate to step this... up. Yeah, I anticipate the NFC Championship taking place in Green Bay, though, and um, I I'm leaning. Well, we'll get to what I'm leaning to in a little bit, but. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to be a close game. Or actually, you know what? I'm leaning Bucks. There are two seeds, so I'll just transition that way. Um, they finished 13-4, uh, and four, and we have zero worries about Tom Brady going to these playoffs, obviously. Would you want any quarterback right now over Tom Brady in these playoffs? I would not. I would choose Tom Brady. Like, I wouldn't, like, if I had Allen or Mahomes trade them for the playoffs for Brady— but like if I had Brady as my quarterback all season, I'm not giving him up. I'm riding with him. Like I that's that sounds dumb. I would take Brady over any quarterback. I would trade and do that in these playoffs. If I could choose Brady one. Rogers. I mean, I trade Brady just because things seem to bounce the right way every time yeah. when he's on your team. But Rogers yeah. is physically better right now. Yeah, maybe. Um, are we worried about the wide receiver depth? Can Evans, Gronk, and Brady be enough for this Bucks team? It's going to be tough because, I mean, you can shut down Evans or, I mean, Gronks. They're getting four there for back, a couple plays. That back. helps. He's good. He's good. But, I mean, when they going into it thinking they were going to have Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans, that almost that's impossible. But now you just got one good receiver, an old tight end who's reliable. But you can, you know, you can cover Gronk here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never really talked about the – Antonio Brown stuff on the podcast. I mean, he's a fucking crazy person. Yeah, and I think he thinks he's still playing the NFL next year. Like he's like, yes, I'll see you guys done. next year. He's it's done. Like, he's never bro. coming back. I don't know what to tell you, Antonio. Yeah, he. Uh, it's just kind of wild how sometimes, and we can be so soft on certain people when it's like, can we actually like like Antonio Brown? Yes, I kind of feel bad for him. I guess because he's going through something mentally. Dude, you've been an asshole for like seven years, and there's a certain point where it's like, I feel bad for you, but I'm not like, oh, I'll save you a spot and let you be this multi-million dollar athlete. It's like, dude, you're kind of fucking crazy. I wouldn't want to deal with it. So the NFL team. He had like just all the incentives too. He's a couple yards away, a couple receptions from getting money. So it's really weird with all that being at stake and just to have to melt an egomaniac. Um, and then with the Bucks defense, I I love the the front seven. I guess I mean it's just with whether or not that secondary can step up and make plays, and that might be the matchup versus Lazard. And how close do you think this game's going to be? Because the Eagles kind of have Brady's I, I number think, a little bit. I think the Bucks win. Uh, actually, Eagles. Are I could scary, see it being. Dude. I could see it being similar to that uh, Bucks uh, football team game yeah, last year. I think it's gonna, I think this is going to be. Really hard fought win. Mm-hmm. So we'll take a look at the line on that in a second. Um, finish up the NFC teams we got here. The Cowboys they finishes the three seed at twelve and five. They have a very, 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 very good defense. They have a very good defense. Um, they have no Michael Gallup for the playoffs though, and the questions are: 
can we get the running game going for the playoffs? Because a terrible end of the year. Zeke has not looked good. Pollard's been in and out of injury. I trust Dak, but how much do I trust him? Because I don't think I trust this coaching staff. I don't trust Mike McCarthy. Uh, like you said, I don't trust I Kellen Moore either. Ball. Like, just don't hand the ball to Ezekiel Elliott. Like, he is done. He's washed. He's old. He's slow. Just give it to Tony Pollard if he's healthy, and you will be much better off. I just, I don't trust the Cowboys, dude. I think they're, through division, they've lost one or two games, and the rest are six and five against the league. And it's like, when you're playing decent competition, I actually like San Francisco. Oh, yeah, I do too. The dogs are barking is, in this This matchup. is a nightmare. And I, I mean, as long as Jimmy G's ligament in his finger is a little bit better, and even if it's not, just have Debo throw the ball. Yeah, Debo. Well, we'll get to him in a bit when we talk about the Niners. Uh, let's go to the four seed, the winner of the NFC West, the Los Angeles Rams, finishing at 12 and 5. Um, start with positives. Cooper Cup is a god, and OBJ is fitting in very well on this Rams team. Very well. They arguably have the two best defensive players in the NFL and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. So I'm not worried about their defense and I trust their coach. But, but, but the run game can a, a fresh off of an Achilles tear, Cam Akers, Henderson, I don't know how healthy he is, and Sony Michelle get the job done for you in the playoffs? Maybe a little bit, but can you trust that group when you're dealing with the highs and lows of Matt Stafford? And I think yeah, that's what it comes down to. I think Matt Tafford is too inconsistent for the Rams to win the Super Bowl because he's going to lay a fucking egg. He always does. He's going to throw an interception, and he always does. And he's, That's what he was doing the past couple weeks. He was turning the ball over. I I mean, I think that the Rams I, – I, I think that it's going to be actually an interesting matchup against the Cardinals this week because I don't love the Cardinals that much. But because, um, like, the thing with the Rams is Stafford could have a great first – like wildcard game, and then throw three picks in the divisional round. So that's why I don't trust the Rams that much. Um, the five seed, the Cardinals, 11-6. and six. Again. But they defense, finish one and five, like yeah, to your Steelers-Patriots team the past couple years. They are that team. Really they are that team. I don't trust their offense without Hopkins. Um, the defense is good. J.J. Watt Murray coming like back healthy? should help. Yeah. Are we getting October Kyler Murray, or are we going to get – Winner, Kyler We're Murray. getting DeAndre Hopkinless, Hopkinless, Kyler Murray, which I think is different. And the only way the Cardinals win a playoff game, let alone make a run, Kyler has to be elite, elite, elite. And so does Kingsbury. We got to see like some very good coaching for something from him to get this offense rebooted and going and be dynamic here in the playoffs because I don't see it. I do not see it this last and I think it, it, they were just Cardinals a front-runner in the beginning and then nothing. Turned off many people the past mm-hmm. two months of football. Yeah, and a team that uh, he's kind of it dealt with this, this season kind of the opposite way of the Cardinals. This is the sixth seed, the Niners, 10-7, and seven, um, with people kind of towards the second half of the season kind of believing in this team more. Uh, last week we had a, a gutsy big balls game from Hurt Jimmy G to make the playoffs. Uh, their defense, especially that front seven, is terrifying. Nick Bosa, dude, that guy's held every single fucking snap. It is unbelievable. He, I think, is the one dude you can kind of put around Aaron Donald of how much of an impact he has. And I mean, there's probably some others, but he's just been spectacular per usual. 
49ers secondary, a little older, a little banged up. The running game, though, it's a Kyle Shanahan team. It's going to keep chugging along no matter who they plug in. Um, and again, another thing going for him is Kittle is terrifying in big games with Jimmy G, Andrew. But I texted you this the other day. Is Debo Samuel a top five player in the NFL this season? Because I think you can make the argument he is, um, or top 10 at least. Yeah, especially like this year for sure. I mean, but is he a top two I, I wide receiver? He, he's that's so hard because it's, there's what, just so uh, many. I mean, there's the there's a couple just cup and Adams. blue chips wide receivers, but it's like what he's able to do. He's like the MVP. I mean, he's the MVP of the Niners offense. Obviously. Oh yeah. Oh, so it's like it, his impact. It's hard to just you don't just pencil greater in than one others position. because. They don't have the elite, elite quarterback, and he's working mm-hmm. with Jimmy G, Trey Lance, a couple weeks. Yeah, and he certainly has more rushing touchdowns and rushing yards than any receiver, and more passing touchdowns than any receiver. So um, he's kind of covering all the boards. It'll be interesting how we kind of include him on our all pineapple couch team. Might have to make a separate category for him or something. We'll get to that. Um, so I like the Niners, and I like this team going forward. Um, I like them to win in this wild card round for sure. I think they could be an upset machine in this playoffs. I don't think they make a Super Bowl run, but prove me wrong. I'll let you. The Eagles are the seventh seed, Andrew. They're nine and eight. Surprisingly good year for head coach Nick Sirianni after some weird quotes. You yeah. seem to be high on them. I just, I just don't. I don't risky, trust man. them. I just don't trust Jalen Hurts. I don't trust their wide receivers. I don't trust them either. But look, look where they are. Here they are. They found a way to get in, and they just—they're like the Raiders, dude. They just win stupid football games. They're physical. They have a good defensive front, good offensive line. And so you That's like them you to win be frisky game. against the Bucks? I think this is going to be a battle. I do not. The Buccaneers are not going to walk away with this win. This will be three and a half hours, four hours of pure entertainment. And there's but in the end, do you think they'll walk away with it? Buccaneers or? will win in the end because okay. it's going to have to be Aaron Rodgers getting over the mm-hmm. hump against the Buccaneers. But yeah, okay. Well, let's take a look at the the games this weekend, dude. We have a fucking Monday night game in the playoffs. I don't know how I feel. That is so cool. I I, I guess I like it because we're just getting more. It's an extra day of football. Yeah, that's true. I just it's just so sad going from twelve games on Sunday to two. Um. Raiders at Bengals. Bengals favored by five here. You can get the Raiders money line at plus 200 over under 49 and a half. Andrew, what is your favorite play here? Unfortunately, I mean, there's going to be an upset. It's one of these six games. I think it's this one. This is the most vulnerable game, I think. The matchup's even. Raiders are hot. I think the Bengals come in a little slow. I think Zach Taylor does mm-hmm. something stupid. Okay. A couple PI calls. Raiders get their stupid upset win, and it lasts another week. The nightmare continues. Uh, that that would certainly suck. My my initial thoughts on this game, the big play I like is I love the over of 49.5. I think both of these teams can score, uh, especially what we've seen from the Bengals lately. And I think that um, last week the Raiders' offense didn't really do much, even though they scored like 35 points. So I look to see that I think Derek Carr will have a better game than he had last week. I think Waller and Renfro get a bit more involved. So I love that over, but I would lean Bengals minus five because of just the high level of play we've seen from Burrow down the stretch. But the key to this game is uh, it's probably Derek Carr, but if Max Crosby is like he was last week, it's going to be a problem for the Bengals. It's going to be a problem. 
Uh, next game, Patriots at Bills. Bills favored by four. Patriots money line plus 170 over under 44. Andrew, you said it. We're looking. It's not going to be like the first time they played when it's the crazy fucked up weather. But we're looking at like really fucking cold, but clear skies. Just 13 degrees. Just hurts. I like the Bills minus four. I like that a lot. I like the Bills minus four, too. I don't think Mac Jones will be able to keep up. Josh Allen's ready to roll. Um, and I don't know what to make of this over under because just with that, that. give 44 because I just don't know what we can expect from Mac Jones to really I give don't know them if we're going to see game. 67 runs or if we're yeah. going to see 40 runs. So I like the Bills minus four there. That's going to be certainly a play I take. Uh, we'll go to Sunday now. Eagles at Bucks. You said this game is going to be close, so you must love Eagles plus eight and a half. Um, Take the yeah. Eight and also, half. you can get the Eagles money line plus three ten, and the over under on this game is at forty six. I I'm with you. I like taking the points with the Eagles there, but I also really like that over. I'm I'm convincing myself of some overs for the playoffs because I think Andrew, if the Eagles make this a close game, it for sure goes over forty six points. Yeah. They're going to have to score at least three touchdowns, four touchdowns. Okay, so I'm liking Brady. that. We're in lockstep there. The only thing we're kind of off on is you lean Raiders, I lean Bengals. I mean, shit, probably a little biased for me because I just fucking hate them. Um, let's go to the next game we have on Sunday. Oh, we get three games this Sunday. Never mind. I should shut up when I'm, when I'm talking. Um, San Francisco, <laughs> 49ers at Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys favored by three San Francisco 49ers money line plus 135 over under 51. Give me the 49ers money line all day. All day. They are going to out physical this team. They're going to beat the fuck out of the Cowboys, I think. 49ers money if, line. I, Cowboys if you are going to screw up. Get an Cowboys alternate spread up. of the Niners minus four. I would take it. Do it. I, I think they beat the shit out of them. I think Jimmy G. We can say what we want about him. I think this team likes him. He's playing They're through hot. injury. San Francisco hot. is hot right now. I trust Kyle Shanahan more than Mike McCarthy. Good luck. Uh, I think it's going to be actually, I'm thinking about this, Micah Parsons, George Kittle. Woo-wee. That is going to be um, quite fun to watch. Uh, next game, worst game of the weekend, Steelers at Chiefs. Yeah. This is a playoff game, and it's It's 13 13 points. It's so dumb. Steelers plus 475 money line, over under 46 and a half. Um, I like, I mean, honestly, I I would lay the 13 maybe. But I don't know. I mean, this I'm going to take 13 just because it's a playoff game, and it's maybe Big Ben wins. It's Big Ben's last run. It's probably his last game. They could, what, what do you think about something. teasing? Um, you could cheat, tease the Chiefs to minus seven and tease the Eagles to plus 14 and a half. Still kind of scares me. It does. I, I just think you know the Chiefs have been so weird with the spread this year. They might win by three points. God, that would. I guess that'd be an entertaining game. So I don't know. It's that's it's a double digit line. So. I don't like I'm going to stay away for right now. I don't, I mean, I guess I lean Chiefs minus 13, but because I don't think the Steelers can move the ball. But I don't know. Monday night, um, Cardinals at Rams. Rams are favored by four. Cardinals money line plus 170 over under 49 and a half. 
that we we mentioned the ups and downs of Stafford. We mentioned the shit's shit ending by the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going to take the Rams minus four because I'm going to bet on a decent game from Matt Stafford. It's not going to be one of his worst. And I think Aaron Donald um, makes life hell for Kyler Murray. I have the Rams too. Kingsbury Same kind of reasons, I think. I think Stafford will have at least one good Cooper playoff Cup game. Cooper Cup will have a game. Cooper Cup yeah. is fucking dangerous. Um, so I like the Rams there. And I am now fully on your side. This is fucking awesome that we have a Monday night playoff game. Um <laughs> So those are the wild card uh, spreads. Andrew, let's now go through um, some quick things here to end it off. We're going to talk about the NFL awards, specifically the MVP, and then we will do our pineapple couch, our all pineapple couch squad. Um, here's what I want to talk about with the MVP. And this is, I, I got to give credit actually to Peter Schreger, who's on the Bill Simmons podcast. He made this point a week or so ago about the MVP race and it, it got me because for a while this season, I kind of resigned. I was like, Rogers is going to win. And I was kind of like super down for it. Cause I'm like, that'll be funny. Cause all those people hate him. And I like when people like that, uh, eat shit, <laughs> but the season went on and Aaron Rodgers is not leading the league in any QB category. He's not having one of his best seasons ever. I mean, yes, he's playing very well. He's like 11 and two when he plays this year, but he is playing a shitty division, but he's amazing. He's the best quarterback in the league right now. I agree. Is Andrew, is the NFL MVP only for quarterbacks? That is, in, in terms of like, we don't, you need, yeah. we kind of know. So do you think I can't say anyone other than a quarterback? It has to be a quarterback? Like, because if no, but yes, it's like almost like an unwritten rule unless you have a crazy, you know, 30 touchdown season as a running back. See, I don't You're understand. You're never going to win it. And I don't understand it, but that's just the way it is. It's almost like Cooper uh, Cup got the triple crown. Yeah. And he's if, not what is, is he, what, what's his MVP, odds? Is he like the sixth, seventh, eighth? Yeah. I mean, yeah. might be like third or fourth at this point. But if it if Cooper Cup doesn't win it this year, this is just an, a QB award. Absolutely. Because Cooper Cup should be the MVP. And I, I think that if you're I unless it's think. just a QB award. So I'm gonna go. So I'm gonna stick with the QB because it's like I love Cup. I think it, it would be Burrow if not Rogers, honestly. Because I think Burrow. I mean, the Bengals. I would. I would. The Bengals are absolute Burrows. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see that, but I, I, I think there's an argument to be made for Burrow just because of all the the Bengals suck. Bengals yeah. have a bad roster. Bengals have overcome all, and if we're gonna do the most valuable to a team. I mean, you could say the yeah. obvious couple quarterbacks, but Joe Burrow getting the Bengals, winning the NFC North or the AFC North. He certainly put through his name in the pile by the the way they finished off. Um, so if it's going, if it's a QB award, my answer is Aaron Rodgers is MVP. If I am a, if ever we are allowed to not vote for a QB, if that MVP is not just a QB award, I think Cooper Cup was the most valuable player in the NFL this year, what he did to the Rams, how good he made Matt Stafford look. And we've seen some of the lows. The numbers he has are absurd, not even just because of the extra game. He's so goddamn consistent. If a player other than a quarterback is allowed to win MVP, Cooper Cup should win. That is my that is my take. Is, did Adrian Peterson ever win MVP? I don't think so. Did LT win in 06? Or when he got... Yes, yes, LT won an MVP. 
I'll look it up. Non QB MVPs. And then I mean, didn't Derrick Henry do? Well, I mean, if Derrick Henry. Oh, Adrian Peterson won in 2012. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay, but that, is that the last one though? Yeah. Yeah, and that's Adrian Peterson and Ladanian Tomlinson. Ladanian Tomlinson was the next one. So you literally have to be one of the top. Sean Alexander, four, 2005. Top five best running backs of all time to be considered. Marshall Falk, 2000. Yeah, it's Terrell Davis, 1998. And then just especially with Barry how Sanders. much everyone yeah. passes it now. I think absolute quarterback if it's a, if quarterbacks are all I'm allowed to pick from. Aaron Rodgers, if I'm allowed to pick from the whole uh, NFL, I pick Cooper Cup. Uh, coach of the year, we both said Vrabel. Um, comeback player of the year really quickly. I mean, this has got to be Burrow, right? Like, I, I, I don't get the Cowboys fans. I get Cowboys fans are annoying, and they think – I mean, Dak's been decent this year, but he hasn't been Joe Burrow. Yeah, not nearly as close – because Dak has slowed down the past 10 weeks, feels yeah, like. Yeah, he has. Yeah, he has. That motherfucker. They've come to reality, and now we're qu- – question. I mean, he had like an MVP, you know, first six, seven weeks, and then now all of a mm-hmm. sudden that's the big question for the Cowboys, him and McCarthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think we're in agreement there. Let's do our all pineapple couch team before we wrap up. And uh, Alex Kanner joins to talk a little Clay Thompson. Um, my, for my all pineapple couch team, uh, we can like debate this. And so we get our final list. Uh, I think Rodgers has to be the QB, right? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's the best this year, Aaron Rodgers. All right. Uh, running back, Jonathan Taylor. That's easy. Penry didn't get hurt. It's him, right? Easy. Like 400 yards and more than the next person. Wide receiver one, I think, has to be Cooper Cup. Yes. And here's where things get interesting. These are Wide like... receiver two, because I think I I love Justin Jefferson. He is going to be on this list. I think it's a debate between Debo and Devontae Adams. I'm going to go Debo just because he can literally do everything. Um, okay. Justin Debo. Jefferson. I agree. I'll go soon. Debo. Devonta Adams, just kind of expect it. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. Um, so Debo is going to get that spot. Sorry, Devonta. Um, and tight end. Uh, what's funny is I have like a separate doc of like when this is all filled out, and I didn't share it with you because I wanted you to put your own. I have Mark Andrews as the tight end. I agree. I think that Kelsey had some ups and downs this year. Kittle got hot late. Waller didn't give us that much, and I think Mark Andrews, given the quarterback situation as well. He was awesome this year. Even when Jackson went down and Huntley, he always yeah. became the number one quarter or number one target for every yep. quarterback on that team. Very dynamic. Uh, we'll give out two offensive linemen. I, Trent Williams, 49ers, been the best this year. I agree. I also throw out Rashawn Slater of the Chargers. In terms of a rookie, we haven't seen that good of a rookie year from an alignment. And I don't know how long because I don't usually track rookie linemen. But for the Chargers, it's the best one I've ever seen. So he's going to make the Pineapple Couch team. I'll add him in there. I'll maybe make a graphic of this. I don't know. I'm kind of lazy sometimes. Sean. Um, tight, uh, defensive end, TJ Watt and Max Crosby. Um, I guess the comment is, is it Max Crosby or Nick Bosa? I think Max Crosby is kind of giving us that recency bias. I think it should be Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa is better than Max Crosby. I'm just haunted by sunday night so i'm gonna stick with crosby all right here's what we'll do crosby and bosa move around randomly so uh we'll have tj watt and crosby get the ends and even though it's not technically true aaron donald and uh nick bosa 
we'll get the defensive tackles. We don't care if this isn't that accurate and they play in. Sometimes they move around, so we're going to use that. Um, linebackers, I mean, I think it should be Micah Parsons, and I'll throw in, I mean, like Fred Warner's been spectacular, um, uh, but I think Micah Parsons is a pretty easy Micah answer Parsons. there. Cor- is he the, he's the favorite right now for defense player, Parsons? No, uh, TJ Watt. Okay, that's right. And then cornerback-wise, uh, the best cornerback in the NFL this year has been Jalen Ramsey. But the massive amount of interceptions from Trayvon Diggs is going to get him on the all-pineapple couch team, even though I have seen some clips of how basically Trayvon Diggs is really good at getting interceptions, but he gives up tons and tons of plays. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, Cowboys fans won't like that. Um for the safeties positions, I love you, Derwin James. But what we've seen from Kevin Byard and Jordan, Jordan Poyer this year, I got to give it to them. Um, the Titans and the Bills, I think those are the the safety positions are like the anchor of both of those defenses. So I want to give it to them. Kicker, how far was the kick this year, Andrew? Was it 65? 66 yards. Fuck. Justin 66. Tucker. 66. You get it. Uh, any punters? Who's the? There's a fat punter that I like. I want to give it to him. Oh, what team is he on? Whoever's the fat punter. You I know you're it. talking about that. Okay, beast. Yeah, yeah, he's a beast. So the fat punter gets to be on the All Pineapple Couch team, and our coach of the All Pineapple Couch team will be Mike Vrabel. And if I get one honorable mention, we got to put uh, Devonte Adams on this list somehow. We just got him. He's just so goddamn good. If we could get like a flex, like I just feel guilty leaving him off because he's such an I think he's the we'll technically slot, the yeah. best wide receiver in the NFL. So we'll throw uh Devontae Adams. We'll give ourselves three wide receivers. Hey, they they run they throw the ball a lot. You can have three wide receivers on a all pineapple couch team. We make the rules. <laughs> um so yeah, Devontae Adams, you do end up making it. Um Coach Mike Vrabel, Andrew, any more thoughts heading into this weekend of wildcard football? Um, I mean, the Joe than, Burrow guy this week. Me too. The Chargers just real looking, looking at that, the going through these teams. The fact that the Chargers aren't among I, them is just beat, maddening. They beat four of them that are in the AFC playoffs. Fucking stupid. Fucking so stupid. Like, just like 19 too many fourth downs, you know? It wasn't even one too many. It was just like 19. It's unreal. Unreal. All right, Big Dog. Um, we'll talk to you next week um, as we get ready for the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Um, go Joe Burrow. Go Bengals. Uh, thanks for joining, my friend. And we'll be right back here on the Pineapple Couch. Stay tuned. Clay Thompson is motherfucking back, baby. Alex Canner is joining. All right, welcome on back to the Pineapple Couch. NBA, we're talking Clay Thompson return and some of the biggest storylines from the first half of this NBA season. And to do that, I'm joined by the one, the only, the living legend himself, Alex Kanner. How are you doing, my friend? Man, I'm doing so good. Glad to be back on the pod. And glad to have Clay Thompson back in our lives. Oh, it's the dream. It's the dream. I didn't even realize really how impactful it was for me until I was really sitting there watching the pregame. And um, it's it's been such a emotional ride. Mm-hmm. obviously for him, but as Warriors fans, oh, yeah. as well, um, but it's so unbelievably awesome for the NBA to, to have him back. Right? Well, at what specific moment did it hit? Cause he's played two games so far. They're one and one. They beat the Cavs. They lost to the Grizzlies last night. Uh, he has looked good. What was the, was it pregame? Was it in one of the games? At what moment did you go? Holy shit. Clay Thompson is back. 
So funny enough, this was in in the pregame to mm-hmm. to uh, the first game when he when he comes out. I think it was for his pregame warmups, yep. and not even like the pre pregame warmups, the the very first warmups, right? Where he comes up and he hits just those five corner jump shots, and I was like, oh yeah, this is it. Like his, I think the thing that makes Clay Thompson so amazing is his shooting form. Like, yeah, it's perfect. when you think about when you think about three point shooters, right? Uh, I think to be Steph Curry is almost impossible. It's almost as impossible as to think that you could ever be LeBron James. Yeah. Right. But Clay Thompson, the way that he shoots, it's so pure that like that is a reasonable expectation, right? Like you, you can develop those skills. And the second that I could see him back on the court shooting those jump shots, I'm like, all right, let's go. He looks exactly the same. That shooting form has not changed at all. Yeah. And it's what, it's what we, why we thought he could come back strong and why I think if he can avoid injury, knock on wood, he could have a, a long career despite missing this time for me this is weird the moment when i it really hit me that holy shit clay was back was i obviously i watched the full pregame i mean the viewership on that pregame show must have been some of the best any pregame warm-ups have ever gotten in nba history mm-hmm. um but it was actually in the second game against the grizzlies um when they were down about three with four minutes left in the fourth quarter and you saw Steph Curry and Clay Thompson get off the bench together to check in. And then there was a play where they ran a little pick and roll. Clay then hit a jumper. That was it. And it was just like, holy shit. They're bringing in. It's it just so they're so much more intimidating when they are together. And as great as Steph has been the last two years and his whole career, those two, that one-two punch coming back into a game, that instills a fear into other teams that they just haven't had. And it was just so awesome to see those two killers, even though they lost, come back. Because, I mean, let's get to this, Alex. Clay looks really, really good. Yeah, he looks really good. I think I was nervous for him. Right, like when I'm watching the games, I'm nervous. And when he goes up for that dunk, oh, how do we not I, talk about that yet? I, I I almost looked away because I'm like, here we go again. Like I can't believe he's doing this. But I think that just goes to show what his intensity level is. Um, and also we always talk about how Clay plays out of his mind, right? Like mm-hmm. Game Six, Clay is completely disconnected from reality. Yeah. And I think that that dunk was a really good example of that, right? Like we're watching him elevate out of the uncomfortable, whereas any other normal human being is not going for a dunk after, after two injuries, back-to-back injuries. Yeah. It was, it was really cool to see him. And I, I, we, I guess we shouldn't be surprised because Clay is such a, like a shooter, like, you know, shooter shoot, he's going to go get his shots up and make it. He wanted to make a statement to not only, himself that he could do this but he wanted to make sure like everyone knew like hey i'm not just coming back and gonna be a sharpshooter you motherfuckers have compared me to joe harris for the last two years that's not who i am and um the intensity of clay and just how he in his mind and you can tell this by watching him alex and you can tell by his post game he's back like he the expectations he has of himself like, he's not back to, like, this be a good story. He's back to win. And from what we've seen so far, I, I believe he can do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think and, – and I wonder for him, right, um, you know, when we think about probably the top five guys in the league, one of those top five guys is also coming back 
from an Achilles injury, right? Yeah. And I wonder, right, if you're sitting in Clay Thompson's, per, you know, in, from his perspective, you're thinking, yes, there's going to be a learning curve, but I'm sitting here coming back from the same injury that Kevin Durant did. And not to say that he's going to come back and be Kevin Durant, but there is no ceiling to, to what you can do when you come back from an injury like this, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that probably was meaningful for him. Oh, yeah. Um, and they talked a lot. They were in close communication, apparently, which kind of yeah, makes total expected, sense. But it yeah, surprised total me, sense. too. Yeah, I mean, so it's great. And I think we're, we'll talk about this more, too. But I think his shooting will be there forever. Um, but obviously, we're going to see him if you get his legs under him, get the conditioning mm-hmm. right. And I think right where we're going to see that move into is him getting back to the level where in what? Mid to late 2019, he potentially was the best two-way player in the league outside of Kawhi. And he went toe-to-toe with Kawhi and was out-dueling him until he got hurt in that Raptors final series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a point in which the best player on the other team is being guarded by Clay Thompson. But luckily, we now have another athlete in Andrew Wiggins. So, and Gary um, Payton. And Gary Payton. And so I, I think that really will allow a very nice landing strip for Clay Thompson to get yeah. his defensive skills back. But um, it's absolutely coming. Mm-hmm. And so we have a we'll go through this. I We have a few notes we want to get to about this. Um, what do you think, Alex, people have forgotten the most about Clay? Um, I did make that joke earlier about how people have compared him to Joe Harris, which is real because, um, I mean, we've heard this 941 days. We heard that a billion times, but. They keep saying it because it's a fuck ton of time, guys. So it's been a while. What, Alex, do you think people have forgotten the most about Clay? I think one of them is that Clay, when you think about Clay, you think about scoring at a at a really high level, at a very efficient level. Mm-hmm. And I think people always default to this isolation style basketball. Clay to, Clay coming back means that Clay has the ball a lot, like he is gonna be demanding in the offense. But the beautiful thing, and even I forgot about this about Clay, is that Clay does not need the ball to be successful. And that is what makes the Warriors successful. That's what makes Steph Curry successful. And that's what makes everybody else on the team successful. Mm -hmm. This guy exists on the court. And sometimes you forget that he's there on offense until he catches it, shoots it three over, right? Yeah. Uh, And that's such a a meaningful basketball player that I just, I can't, I don't see it elsewhere in the league that, that Clay Thompson does it. Alex, after 941 days, I said it again, 941 days of not playing in the NBA, he comes back, and in the first, like, as soon as he starts playing, because he starts, the ball is on the other side of the court, and they are, like, whatever it's called, they're locked on him defensively, not letting him catch a ball. Like, is it hip guarding? What the fuck is that called? I'm Mm -hmm. losing my mind. But, like, that's the power he has and how he can shift um, a defense similar to Steph Curry and... We can quickly get on this, Alex. I think that he couldn't have come at a better time because, yes, the Warriors were like, what, 29 and 9 when he came back. But the burden on Steph, I noticed it was a little too much. And they mm-hmm. really needed someone who would come in and, like you mentioned, be aggressive and want to take those shots. Because on the topic of what I think people forgot the most about Clay, and I'm going to include myself in this, was we all think of Clay kind of as the chillest dude of all time right because he seems like it he is a killer and he is so so intense and cares so so much we saw it when he was petty about being left off the top 75 but you saw it when he was yelling at the crowd clay thompson chill dude 
but he is a maniac on the court with intensity and that was just so good to see again yeah i agree and and i think when we when we think about specifically that that first game back that's mm-hmm. probably the most times we'll see clay uh drive the basketball one on one or take a a difficult shot like that's not his game and i mm-hmm. think that he's probably nervous and i think you definitely saw that like he he got much more into a rhythm in the second half of that game yeah um and i think again like what we're at game 2 right we may not see clay thompson for another a true clay thompson for for quite some time here um but yeah and exactly to your point right with with a full court guarding on him it just opens up so much and i think that you're totally right like the warriors are we had a really successful start we're in a lull right definitely shooting um kind of across the board Dray- when when draymond's out like god people really don't don't get how good draymond is right so when draymond's out we're it's unreal how lull. good he is we're in this lull right now and i think having clay thompson back means that we're getting very consistent scoring unlike jordan pool which is you know probably like a 30 13 guy he can give you 30 but he could also give you 13 or 10 right mm-hmm. clay thompson's yeah. not as much and that he's going to give you 17 18 20 uh, on a regular basis. So we needed that. And it obviously opens up so much for other players as the defense is locked on clay, you know, Wiggins and everybody else is a little more, a little more room. Yeah. I want to quickly jump in on what you said about Draymond. Cause it made me think of something when people don't realize how good he is. So you, you mentioned how clay comes back. We're getting that what 20 to 25 points a game. Theoretically Draymond, when Draymond's in there, he's getting you what six to 10 points, but He's the guy who makes Jordan Poole go from 13 points a game to 21. And Andrew Wiggins from 12 to 18. He And so all those assists and the way he moves the ball, yes, he is not getting those points, but he adds, I mean, at minimum, and on a good night, probably a lot more than this, at least 20 points, at least 20, probably 30 points a game to your offense when he's out there. And obviously defense, we know what he does. I am Alex. We haven't seen him back with Clay yet, which I know. Yeah, will be I know. We we got a what a a five second uh, introduction uh, before Draymond went out. But I've I've one quick story to tell before we mm-hmm. um, move into what this may mean for some other Warriors here. Um, we talk about Clay being a killer, right? One of yeah. my all time most memorable basketball experiences, and 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 being a fan of the Warriors was in 2019, right? I'm at a bar called the Richmond Draft House in San Francisco. Okay. All all Warriors fans. Um, and when Clay went down, I have never seen – I was explaining this to somebody else. It was like we all lost a family member. Yeah. Like I, I've never – whether you're losing a championship, whether you're losing another game, I've never seen such sadness from a group of fans. Um, but then – to go off of that when clay thompson walks back onto the court because i'm laying on the ground i'm not i don't want to look at the tv anymore yeah the roar in this bar and we knew that he wasn't going to play anymore this was just for you know I, probably at that time they didn't know the extent of the injury mm-hmm. um to this day one of the most amazing experiences watching him come back out shoot those free throws uh i will i will never forget it and i think it is probably the most badass basketball it's, it's thing like Kobe that I've seen it in my life yeah 100 percent, amazing and- yeah, that I remember that. That was just so such a, like a heartbreaking moment, but also such a moment when you're just like, man, Clay Thompson is such a badass. And his uh not depression, but his uh 
his like sadness that you've kind of seen from him the last two years, maybe on the bench and some things. I I don't enjoy seeing that, but he cares so much about being out there and playing basketball that it's it's so great to see him having that back. And um, because it sucked watching Clay on the bench with a towel over his head when they were losing, just you could tell he's like, I want to be out there. Damn it. And so having that back, fantastic. Alex, you brought up a good point when we were prepping for this about obviously we're elated to have Clay Thompson back, but how is this going to affect other players on the Warriors? Um, the first guy we should talk about probably is Jordan Poole. Well, what's your take on, because obviously he's getting moved to the bench. What do you think about that? I think that the most negative impact on a Warriors player will be with Jordan Poole. Okay. When we think about these the rest of the supporting cast. Will Gary Payton potentially lose a minute here or two because of Clay? Yes. Will Juan Toscano-Anderson probably lose a minute or two because of Clay? Yes. But their roles on the team are not defined by the minutes that they are on the court. Right? I mean, we heard Gary Payton talk about this uh, probably about two or three weeks ago, and he said, I know exactly what my role is on this Warriors team. You know, yeah. um, I don't He's think those so guys impressive. are impressive. He's been amazing. He's been absolutely amazing. I mean, one of the probably the most interesting storylines of this Warriors team. But having said that, I think when you look at a guy like Jordan Poole, right, he's coming off of what probably a month ago we could have been like, hey, is this guy in the running for most improved player in the NBA? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you probably can't win that award now. Right. Mm-mm. And I think that, you know, he's a young guy. He's not necessarily fully established in the league. Very hot and cold. Very, very hot and cold. And and I think for a guy like Jordan Poole, you need to get into rhythm. Can you only get into that rhythm at a certain level of minutes? And and I think it's be really interesting to see how he incorporates himself off the bench. And does he become you know sliding into like a J.R. Smith role where he comes on mm-hmm. the, onto the court, he jacks up you know threes that nobody should be shooting except probably Clay and Steph and. Um, I'm I'm optimistically worried, I think, mm-hmm. about what we're going to see with Jordan Poole. So I feel like there's a couple ways this could go for Jordan Poole. I feel like the average, like, middle-of-the-road way it could go is that he goes to the bench and he's maybe a better version of, like, that J.R. Smith, what you're saying. You know, that's, like, my lukewarm medium take. Like, that's probably, like, he, maybe he's exactly J.R. Smith, maybe a little better. There's one avenue where it's our worst case scenario where he's unhappy with the reduced playing time. It affects his shot. Defensive effort goes away. Then you're talking about, does this guy want to be here? That's worst case scenario. The best case scenario I can think of relates to another player uh, who could come back. James Wiseman would be. If I'm Jordan Poole, the way I could carve out my role like Gary Payton has his, if you can develop some sort of two-man game with um, Wiseman as Wiseman comes back, because they're they're not going to run Wiseman at the, to close games a lot, I don't think, at all. And even if it's like a really good scenario for him going back. So those two developing a, a pick-and-roll type partnership I think would be huge for both of them um Jordan Poole and obviously Wiseman needs to do something prove something so what do you think about that 
I, I absolutely agree. And I think the incorporation of what we're going to see with Wiseman, particularly with another player is what comes to mind, which is Andrew Wiggins, right? Like when I think about potentially at a championship level, the type of offense that the Warriors can be running, I think about the ball in Andrew Wiggins' hands, right? Running maybe a, a high pick and roll with Wiseman, Clay and Steph on the outside with Draymond Green running a pick or down screen on one yeah. of their two, two guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, having Wiseman and and I'm just so curious. Like we haven't seen a lot of them, right? And it, and I just think it's gonna be really such a mystery to see. Like I mean, I remember last season, right? You know, you think of him. Some games you're like, man, this guy can't do anything, right? He's a seven footer and he's under the rim. He's other games where he's dribbling up to the three point and just knocking down threes on a regular. Yeah, his holy so. shit moments where you're like, oh, I don't see many people that can do that. And yeah. really, really quickly, like. I think it's not talked about enough, or maybe it is, and I'm not hearing it, how little we really have ever seen of James Wiseman. Because I mean, he played, I how many games did he play in basketball. college? He played like three games, two games in college. Yeah. And then um, he played decent amount in the beginning of the season last year, goes out with the injury, and then the Warriors start playing better. I like. I don't want to trade Wiseman at all because I think his stock could not be lower. And I do think we were so hyped about him for reasons. So I, it's, I just really hope that the Warriors coaching staff, and I think it's learned from last year of how to incorporate maybe younger players into roles. Like just have Wiseman be a McGee type, a better version of JaVale McGee for this first stretch of him coming back. Like catching lobs, screening. Don't ask him to be Draymond and read the defense and make all these reads, which is I think what Kerr did too much of last year. Um, so you got to put him in a position to succeed. Um, I'm curious though, Alex, how would you feel about Otto Porter and Bialica and I guess Looney losing minutes to Wiseman and Wiseman is a project? How long do you give Wiseman or till you get to a point where it's like, dude, just play Otto Porter. He showed us what he can do. You know what I mean? Because they're trying to balance that. Yeah, I, I, I do understand that. I think you give him, I think you give him time and I think it kind of works twofold, right? I think we also need to probably show the league what Wiseman looks like and what he can do. Um, Good point. And, and again, exactly like you said, like, I, I don't think that the Warriors under any circumstances should trade to trade Wiseman, right? Like, I think that his ceiling is so high. I mean, another player we haven't even named yet is Kaminga, right? Yeah, Similar idea, right? And, and I don't want to trade any of these guys. Um, Otto Porter, we know what Otto Porter is. There's there's nothing there that's going to particularly surprise us, though he's been surprisingly good this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we, we let Wiseman grow um, because the high of Wiseman is higher than the, the high of Otto Porter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree, and I think they will do that. And fortunately for the Warriors, they, with the hot start, they've kind of built themselves a cushion to theoretically test him out and not be grinding to get out of the playing game like they were last year. Um, and really quickly on Kaminga, dude, he's so, so crazy. He could be like, I don't, I'm not going to like say like Giannis or LeBron. Cause that's just but like, he could be like a version of Kawhi or like just something terrifying and like MVP level. So I wouldn't trade him for anything. Yeah, I think what Bob Meyer said in an interview recently is that you can teach people to shoot. You can teach people to play defense. You cannot 
teach people to be 6'10". You cannot teach people to be <laughs> athletic, right? And um, yeah. I think that's a good example with Kaminga. But let me ask you this, because, you know, one of the things is the Warriors, right? Like when we hear about, oftentimes you, you know, hear Warriors commentators or other other analysts talking about the Warriors. One of the things that I said is they are a deep team, right? We yeah. have nice starting five, and that's been talked about throughout the year, right? We're adding two more players that demand playing time. That is Clay mm-hmm. Thompson. That is Andrew Wiggins, or excuse me, uh, Wiseman. Is this the same Warriors team that we see in June of this year? That's a. It's it's a good point because you're right. You're at it's a deep team already. You're adding two players back, and in June, do you really need twelve? good guys when you could get away with having eight because you shorten your lineup so much you know so do you right now even though you like the depth in the regular season especially with all like the protocol stuff do you cash that in and part of me is like yes you should but i just what are you gonna get if you don't want to move kaminga or wiseman and i'm just i really don't want to move either of them you know I, I I agree with you. Is it? I, I like, think that, what? I think this. I think this is the team that we see. I don't see them moving anybody. Um, also, the Warriors. I mean, for the most part, are not really a mid-season building Mm-mm. team. You know, over the last seven years, we haven't seen this. Right? Whether it's coaching changes, we don't make a lot of mid-season modifications, yeah. and and I don't see that happening now. And I think that that is like just what happens in the league. Oh, you have like, like the Celtics, for example, right? Like you have assets, you get rid of the assets. Well, maybe in our case, that's just not, that's just not what we do. Right. Uh, yeah. And that I think means that's that smart. we don't win a championship this year, but next year, you know, however that plays out. But I think to your point, exactly. The Warriors have been surprisingly good this year. And if anything, maybe that means we get a number one seed in the West, but if anything, that just gives us room to explore this. Right. Yeah. And not, and not need to make like a uh, an immediate change because we think we need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. If you want to be like how they're ta- trying to be like the mo- not modern Spurs, but like the latest kind of team that wants to have a superstar and have iterations of a good team, like multiple eras. The Spurs didn't do that by trading away all their draft picks and young players. So you have to kind of build for the future while at the same time trying to win it all. And I think they're in a situation where if clay can be clay, they don't need to make really any trades. And I think they can win it all. One other guy I got a shout out, Kevin Looney, Kevon Looney, excuse me. He's been an absolute animal this year, <laughs> dude. Oh my gosh, Alex. I, I would love to step into the shoes of a, of a fan of another NBA team and view Kevon Looney. And you're just watching him put up 18 boards and you're thinking to yourself, who is this dude? <laughs> yeah. How does he accomplish these things? Right. You think uh-huh. about a guy like, you know, Deandre Ayton, Kevon mm-hmm. Looney and DeAndre Aiden do not have the same body yet. No, no, no. Somehow, uh, 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 Kevon Looney has just been amazing. He's played in the organization for so long. He knows the system probably just as good as uh, the other core Warriors. Oh, he's yeah. a championship player. Um, he I, was guarding I, Jared he's been Allen. He was guarding Jared amazing. Allen very well. And Kevon Looney's like, what, 6'10", 6'9"? I think so, yeah. Jared Allen's biggest 7'2". Guy. <laughs> he's not the biggest guy right it's unbelievable uh i I'm, I'm super excited i think the last thing i'll say as we wrap this up uh mm-hmm. especially when we think about wiseman coming back 
I think I'm so excited to see him because I couldn't have selected another player on the Warriors that you would want him to be rehabbing with other than Clay Thompson. That's a very good right? point. And uh, when you talk about the two-man game, right, like who else were they were playing basketball with for the last six months, right? So I'm so excited to see him come back. I can't wait to just see the team finally at, you know, quote-unquote full strength, I guess. Um, it's just awesome to have Warriors basketball back, right? I mean, I, I it's so nice. I love it. I absolutely They're love so it. much more entertaining than uh, what we got last year. Uh, no shots at the Bucks either. You're very good. Um, all right, let's move on to some of the storylines that we want to get to. Uh, we were going to label this segment like five surprises, five storylines, but we couldn't organize our thoughts well enough. So we're just going to do like a free flowing segment here and talking about some of the things that have stood out to us thus far at almost the halfway point mark of this NBA season. Uh, Alex, I want to start off with this. The Celtics are so bad and are such a dumpster fire. They're sitting at 20 and 21, 10th in the East. Admittedly, the East, they're only a few games back out of theoretically like seven, eight. But they it seems like they're having their coach call them out every other week. Weird quotes from Tatum and Brown constantly. And you I just thought I was so confident in this Brown Tatum duo being good together that it's just kind of it's hard for me to understand how they are so bad because like they're very disconnected they don't really have a leader it's kind of a lot of watch me do this watch i'll watch you do that are you at the point where you think you have to separate the two because it's just kind of dumbfounding to me because you never want to get rid of a player like either of them yeah, I think – so I was thinking about this the other day. I think that they're too close in skill level. And that's not to take anything away from Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. I think they're both amazing players. But with them not defining who is A1 and AB, it it also then puts Marcus Smart in a weird position. Like, does he think that he can then arise to the second spot? Like, I think this whole thing looks a lot more uh, – looks a lot differently if Jason Tatum is a clear, um, you know, first team, all NBA. And right? vocal alpha, like well, leader. It sets the tone for the rest of the team, but that doesn't really happen. Sometimes he's a playmaker. Sometimes he's a scorer. I think that puts Jalen Brown then in an odd position. Um, so I think that you're right. I think that like they have probably run their course. And I think that three of them, uh, they're just not different enough to really – have like a small ball or a run and gun team. Yeah. Um, I just don't think that they have an identity at all. I mean, like, yeah, I don't think anybody's scared to go into Boston and play these guys, right? Like, no, not the, at all. The level of dysfunction they're at is you mentioned Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart is so much worse. And no offense to Marcus Smart, you're a little older, but you're so much worse than a Jason Tatum or a Jalen Brown. But those two have like not stepped up to the leadership role. That you have Marcus Smart being like, well, someone's got to do it. I guess I will do it because I'm a vocal leader. But it's hard to have the vocal leader be a guy who's average. I don't know Marcus Smart's stats off the top of my head. But it's not like he's near an all-star or anything like that. It's hard to be the Draymond Green of a team if you're not playing well. And you're not that important. Because people will just get sick of you and just be like, shut up, man. You know? Yeah, I think I think a guy like Marcus Smart would do so well on a LeBron James team. Oh yeah. If I was the Lakers, that those are the guys that make sense. Like, it's like a Caruso. 
like a Caruso, right? He has a defined role. He understands who the leader is. And I, it's, and I think what you're saying, right, is that it's no knock on Marcus Smart. Like you're probably thinking to yourself, if you're in that position, you see these two guys going at it. At some point, you're probably thinking, all right, fuck it. I will do it. Mm-hmm. Right. But again, exactly yeah. like you said, I don't think that I don't think that he is that player. I think that, yes, at some point you do need one of, if not the best player to fill that role in some aspect. And I just think that Jason and Jalen have not defined what those roles are. Mm-hmm. And probably both of those players would do better either as the clear number one or probably in their cases, the clear number two on a potential championship team. Mm-hmm. Well, neither of them have really shown a great like deal of playmaking consistently to like get others involved and like distribute throughout the offense. So you would think like, okay, so maybe what's the deal the Celtics do? They trade for a point guard um, to pair with one of them, whoever they choose. I mean, who? You, there's not that many like good point guards who are just available. Yeah, and like I, Damian absolutely. Lillard, I don't know. Well, let's talk about him. Yeah, I think. Um, well, I think bringing up point guards is is, is really going to make one more comment about the Celtics. There is that mm-hmm. take a guy like Devin Booker, right? Devin Booker, really high skilled player. Is he the clear cut leader of a team? No. I'm not sure. But Chris Paul is there to take that, right? Like if you take Jason Tatum, you put him on on the Suns. They're going to be good. You take Jalen Brown, you put him on the Suns with Chris Paul, he will be good, right? Mm-hmm. They need a player like that. And I think to your point, they are not available. And I don't even think that Damian Lillard is that player, right? Um, I think that it's been disappointing to see Damian Lillard. I don't know if this is because, you know, all of the hubbubaloo prior to the season mm-hmm. messed with them. It, it could be the injury. Um it could be the, the 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 coaching change. You know, I don't know exactly what it is more so than it's it's weird to see Portland not, you know, potentially be in that clear cut playing spot for the playoffs. It's a very stale situation there. Exactly. I think stale is a, is a really good way to put it. And so I think that part of it is that. And then the other thing that like sucks to say, but I mean, let's look at their record right now. They are sixteen and twenty-four. Like it, this can't be how Damian Lillard wants to ride out his career. And so, conversely, though, if you're a team trading for Damian Lillard, he's going what? He's going to be thirty-two, thirty-three. He's a point guard who, yes, is a very good shooter, but has a lot relied a lot on athleticism throughout his career. I mean, I think we need to start. People don't talk enough about how Chris Paul is an anomaly, how he's playing this well late into his career. So you don't want to get caught with a Kemba contract, a John Wall, a Russell Westbrook. And Damian Lillard, and I'm not saying he's those players right now, but if his regression and if you were to get injured a lot, that's what you could get stuck with. And so if you're the Celtics and you trade Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, like a guy who could be a superstar, and you get stuck with that, and plus it's like, what, $250 million Supermax, right? Yep. That's that's tough, and it's a weird conversation to have about Damian Alert, who last year was so good. Yeah, and, and I, I just wonder, like, what does it mean verbally to say, you know, I'm not leaving. I want to win a championship with this team. Is that just posturing to the fans, you think? You know, I I think 
years ago, you'd think that it it was not posturing, but I think nowadays at any point we could get a notification that he's leaving and it wouldn't really surprise anybody who's been probably yeah. watching basketball on a regular basis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a bummer because I think when the league is better when Damon Lillard is making 40 footers, right? But oh, yeah. um, he's out. I saw it today for six to eight weeks, skin surgery on Thursday. So we're not going to see him for a while. I think we'll see a greater regression from the Blazers. And I think probably during this time of him being out for almost two months, uh, we'll have a maybe have a clearer idea whether when he returns, if this is just for the end of the season. Um, no, they're like punting the season, basically. Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's injured, so it's not like they're punting it. But, wow, I didn't – that injury news, I mean, that certainly affects, like – we'll talk about this next um, – like if you're the 76ers and you're trying to trade Ben Simmons and you wanted to go after Lillard, I mean, maybe this is a saving grace that you didn't trade for this because you look what you're dealing with, but that's not on the table really anymore. And it's also come out, Alex, that they want to pair Tobias Harris with Ben Simmons, which the first thing I think about is like, holy crap, that's so much money, right? That's got to be like $60 million combined for like one year. And they have big contracts, right? Yeah, I think it might even be closer to 80. It's ma- it's a massive amount of money. So, I teams can like the, teams can move around money to make something like that happen. It's just with if you're going to do that, it's going the pool of teams is I think going to shrink massively. Yeah, and and also the Kings whatever, make the most sense. Yeah, yeah, and and I think when you're bringing on when you're bringing in that the two players like that you're probably modifying your core to to those two players style of basketball right like, you have to i think the, the great part about ben simmons is like ben simmons is amazing ben simmons is so good and he can fit into another system right mm-hmm. by himself but when you bring over tobias harris and you bring over ben simmons those are now two starters we're putting in from the same organization one of which has had this quite wild couple months ride I just can't see a team saying, I mean, I, I could see the reasoning being like Tobias Harris uh, makes it a little bit less risky for us. Now we have Tobias Harris as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it it just feels, it feels a lot. It feels like a lot of money to put into those two guys. And, and now not only are you taking on whatever this Ben Simmons fiasco is going to be, uh, but now you're bringing on, yeah, six, yeah. 60, $70 million for the cap space. And I think to me, the lack of flexibility that that would give you is like one of the reasons I would want to get Simmons would be I want to bring in Simmons and surround him with guys that I think would be basketball heaven for Ben Simmons, you know. And when you bring in Tobias Harris, he's not necessarily a bad fit with Ben Simmons. He's not great, but you're not really able to like then go out and make those decisions around like to build that team for Ben Simmons and you're just stuck in another weird situation. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure that situation is can continue over the next couple of weeks to the trade deadline to get crazy. I mean, I wouldn't be, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be stunned if this just goes all season. It's kind of what I think is going to happen. I agree. I was, I was thinking about the other day of like, how does this end? Right. Eventually this, this, this will end. And it, it feels like something that is not going to be a mid season trade. Um, in a weird way, I, you got to kind of shout out Daryl Morey, right? Like, yeah. I mean, as a as a basketball fan, as a basketball fan, 
you know, it, it sucks that Ben Simmons is the collateral damage to this. But having said that, I think you and I and most folks are all for player empowerment and, and generally having the players kind of run the league like they are the league. Mm-hmm. But having said that, like I, it, it would be a bummer to see everybody be able to push their way out of yeah. every single situation. Right. And it, it's been nice and a little bit refreshing to say, all right, if you're not going to play, we don't have to trade you. And mm-hmm. luckily, Philly is in a position to be good enough without him. Yeah, player empowerment to me means that you as the player, I'm for it because if you want to sign one and done, one like one year deals like LeBron was doing to maximize the amount of money you're making maybe per season and to keep pressure on the team, go ahead and do that. If you're a free agent, go ahead. Choose wherever you want to go. You should, no team, you don't owe anyone any loyalty because as soon as you're not good, the team's going to trade you. I accept that. What you're like the point you're bringing up that I agree with is like that is good, but asking out for a trade with four years left on your deal, that's where it gets to like, okay, well, what are we doing now? Like, is this mm-hmm. just like we're going to shuffle around all the good players to make some people happy? It's like at a certain point, I mean, basketball is somewhat regional in a way where like I watch mainly Warriors games and stuff. It's just killing part of the product. It's like, okay, when's LaMelo Ball not going to want to be in Charlotte? When's blank not gonna want to be here when it's just like shit can you grow something i miss those days too i absolutely agree so if it ends up lasting all year it ends up lasting all year um i i wonder if philly starts pushing into the top three seeds if they say you know what screw it this is our time we need a superstar let's make something happen mm-hmm. and B's playing uh, so well but yeah they don't seem like they're in a rush you got a couple guys that are playing really well. Max, he's playing great. And not to mm-hmm. say that he's going to be a long-term point guard. I don't think so. I don't think necessarily like a championship point guard, but they made good decisions to put themselves in a place where they yeah. can Yeah, Seth Curry has been fantastic. And Seth has been great, right? Uh, so we'll yeah. see. We'll see. There, there's That team is very confusing. Um, and it does, like we mentioned how Ben Simmons is kind of the casualty of Daryl Morey making the stand. Maybe the biggest casualty of those, this is just a prime year of Joel. And he might have like a guy, a superstar contract, just not being used to help him, which sucks. Um, let's, uh, as we go through some more of these, um, we're at 39 minutes. So I'll go a little faster for you. Um, I'm going to bring up two teams right now, Alex, who have kind of like not shocked the NBA, but they've taken the NBA by storm this year and are kind of like the sweethearts of this year, for lack of a better word, which would be the Chicago Bulls and the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies have won 10 straight, 29-14, fourth in the West. The Bulls, 27-11, first in the East. Um, Which one is more surprising to you? I think that that the Bulls are more surprising. And I think that's because, though John Morant is amazing, all-NBA player, um, when we did our our, uh, initial podcast for to kick off the season we mm-hmm. talked about how like we all were interested in watching John Morant this year did any of us say hey I'm really interested in watching DeMar DeRozan this year yeah no and it has been I think just as a basketball fan it has been absolutely wonderful to see DeMar DeRozan be successful right I, I think back to um you know those those San Antonio years and, and he was really outspoken about mental health and all these different things and it yeah. sucked to see you know it sucked to see him there um, 
and 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 be on a team that didn't seem to have a lot of joy and traded away from his best friend and then his best friend wins a title immediately horrible horrible and and i'm just so excited to see him be successful and to see the bulls be successful like this is an awesome team they have an identity they remind me a lot of uh the 2015 2014 warriors like young guys they're running and gunning they know who they are they don't Mm -hmm. give a F about anybody or who they're playing. Yeah. Whether that's going to play Giannis, going to play Kevin Durant, they could not care less. Yeah. I um, mean, it seems like DeMar DeRozan, he's been here for a long time. He's a really good leader. Right. And I think that when you have guys like Zach Levine um, who don't have as much playoff experience, it's been amazingly great for them to be able to, uh, to learn from and place some of that uh, responsibility on DeMar. Yeah, the thing with them that really stood out to me um, before I talk about the Grizzlies is I, I I thought they would be good offensively. I mean, because when you have that many weapons, um, the way that their defense has been actually pretty good this year and the way Vucevic, after a shaky, when they traded for him last year, he didn't fit in immediately that well. I feel like he's really fit in this year in that offense and is really good at moving the ball kind of. Um, not being a Draymond or to a Jokic level, but being a really good like point guard for, as a big man for that team, which is good. Um, on the Grizzlies, I, I guess I'm not surprised at the level to which Jaw has gotten because I thought of him as a superstar, like you mentioned, going into this year. I guess the one super surprising thing to me is just the way the Grizzlies have been able to shoot up into the West standings to number four and actually be really threatening the Jazz and only a couple games behind the Warriors. Um, And the more and more I thought about that, though, it's not as surprising because, listen, the Nuggets, they don't have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. The Clippers don't have Kawhi Leonard. The Lakers, they signed a bunch of they traded for Russell Westbrook and did literally things to hurt themselves in the offseason. Don't understand why they did that. Trailblazers fallen off. Zion hasn't played for the Pelicans. On and on and on. Luka came in out of shape. So I guess it's not even the biggest surprise is just like how the West part of it has fallen off to where the point to where the Grizzlies could get to this point. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And I don't even know if it's um, I think that's that's a really good point. And, and I haven't really thought about this too much, but it's not that. I think the West has fallen off. It's that when we think about the West for the past couple of years, right? You have the Warriors, right? The Lakers, Clippers have been there for a while. Mm-hmm. But then, but the two teams that have always been within that top five, top six are Utah and Denver. Utah and Denver have not changed their identity over the last four or five years. They're the same team year in and year out. And that's exactly why I think you see teams like the Suns and the Grizzlies be able to jump right over them because they know exactly who those teams are. Whereas the Suns and the Grizzlies have been able to absolutely grow, absolutely expand their game. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just, it makes a lot of sense why we're now seeing those teams, right? The Warriors back up at the top, the Grizzlies making their way there. And what do you know, Denver and Utah are kind of in that same position that they've been in. Um, So it's been awesome to see. and, And it's not, I guess, incredibly surprising, you know, it's just more so, why haven't those other teams made any changes? Yeah. Um, and the Jazz, it's kind of shocking because they're just, they need to make a change every year, but then they have a good regular season and convince themselves they don't need to make a change. It's just this weird cycle. The Nuggets, 
I mean, the Nuggets just just sucks with the injuries. It's just, and I mean, signing Michael Porter Jr. to that contract that early with the injury concerns, probably not that smart, but that's a subject for another pod. Um, One team that does terrify me when we're looking at the West before we get to uh, a couple other things. If Kawhi comes back and the Clippers, that's scary. I'm just saying. Kawhi, that's scary. He scares me. I, I agree. I agree. And and I'm not worried about the Lakers at all. Zero. Yeah, I'm not worried about them in, in any sense. Um I yeah, I'm worried about um I'm worried about Kawhi, but also I think my worry is mitigated by the Paul George situation. Like with his injuries and whether or not he mm-hmm. plays like with his ligament or whatever he's going on with his ligament right now. Like, yeah. I don't, yeah. I just don't see what, what ends up happening here with him. And um, yeah, I, when I think about the West, I think about the Suns, I think about the Grizzlies. And then I guess you, you, you include Utah there as well. Which I would welcome the idea of the Warriors getting to play the jazz in the playoffs. So that's what all you need to know about Utah. A um, couple other things, Alex, uh, the, a huge impediment, to the Suns, Warriors, these Western Conference teams, to winning it all, will presumably be one of two teams. the Or one of three teams, because I guess we'll include the Bulls now, but I would say the Bulls are the three to... The number one, I think, is the sleeping giant Bucks, which not that much breaking news to say about the Bucks. All we need to say is the Bucks are still very, very, very good, and they've been injured, and be afraid of them, because Giannis is a freak. The other team is the Nets. With Kyrie now, you just told something to me before the show that I didn't really know. So the Nets might be able to get Kyrie to play at home if they pay a fine? Correct, yeah. So what I saw is, like, there are violation levels, and potentially at some point it's, like, 5000 a game for him to play. Uh, Easy money. For him to play. I, I just don't understand how this can be a team-level decision, you know? Like, I understand that there's so many complexities with, with COVID and, and how this all plays out. Mm-hmm. It just feels like – at what point does this become a disadvantage or an advantage for a team, right? We saw it with the, when the Warriors played Denver. They get screwed out of a game. Yeah. I, I just don't understand. It needs to be more clear cut because what does that That's mean? That's what does, Draymond's does, complained a lot about is just a lack Exactly, of- right? Does, does Kyrie rest until it's advantageous for him to come back? I, I just don't know, and I guess there's ways around it. But it's, it's, uh, it's interesting to see. But I guess if Kyrie comes back that, you know, the Nets are sitting at number two. They're um, terrifying. Yeah, and so – it's going to be interesting. I don't know what that means in the finals, right? It's just it's it's a yeah, very it, odd situation. So many questions are have like are on like our minds this season as basketball fans that are just so annoying to have on our minds when it's like I just want to be worried about like this or this, and now it's like I was reading this thing the other day that the Raptors have been playing well lately. Because a lot of teams, when they go play them, don't want to send their players to Canada because they can't leave the country for some re- reason if they test positive or some. And so now the Raptors don't have fans at games. There's a whole altercation last night between Devin Booker and the mascot. Did you see that? I did see that. I did. It's yeah, just I, it's just weird NBA last couple of years. I One thing, Alex, that I've noticed about this is just like, Obviously, a lot of these things are out of the NBA's control. Some of them aren't. The NBA, to me, has gotten more so lately, very much like baseball, where baseball is so regional. Maybe this is just me growing old. I may, I might be guilty of that. But baseball is to the point where, like, I'm a Giants fan. 
I really only watch Giants games. That's it. And I, I'm not really, I don't care if the White Sox and Twins are playing. Like, cool. Basketball is not to that level yet, but I feel like we're kind of getting there in a way. And I don't know if that's just because I'm getting older or the weirdness of the last two years, but do you relate to that at all? Yeah, I. that's a, that's a really interesting perspective. Like baseball, I, I approach baseball the same way. Baseball is incredibly regional. Like if the if if a California team is not in the World Series, I'm probably not watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, but having said that, I, I hope basketball doesn't become that way. You know, it's it's definitely a sport that we can stay in touch with all these players. Um, but also there's value in regional, like, and it creates it creates players like Buster Posey. It creates players like Steph Curry, right? Um, so I think there's positive and negatives both ways. But I'm it's been a weird season, but uh, I'm glad to have it back. I, I think and the, I'm excited for All-Star Weekend. I'm excited to, to see yeah. what happens this year for sure. I think an easy fix is just shortening the schedule a bit and you kind of fix all of these things. But uh, correct. Uh, last thing, two disappointments. I want to know... Um, how okay? How surprised are you of Julius Randle's uh, like step backwards this year? Because I know you, I'm not like kissing your ass, but you're a smart man when it comes to the game of basketball. And I know the both of us last year when we were watching the Knicks and Julius Randle were kind of like, huh, hmm, this seems like a contract. Like I, I don't know. I, so Alex, are you surprised? Nope. It just was like, I, I know you're feeling this. I, you're watching, you're like, this doesn't end well for for anybody. It doesn't end well for him. It doesn't end well for the Knicks. I, I was just watching it, and it just felt like one of those things where oh this guy's going to get a big old contract, and everyone's going to be screwed and worse off for it. And as they're signing him to the big contract, they're saying like, wow, the Knicks, they finally did it. They got like a homegrown superstar. They're not going to waste money on some random free agent. And then meanwhile, I'm like, oh, my God, you just signed Julius Randle. I guess it's not as massive as some of the others, but it's just like this was. Wait, you're telling me that Julius Randle got paid a fuck ton of money and now isn't trying as hard on defense, Alex? Are you serious? Yeah, the, the chaos of this has just <laughs> been has been uh, entertaining <laughs> as it is MSG, but it has not been surprising. Um a bummer for Knicks fans, for sure. Uh, but they, damn, they're passionate, so shout out to them. Um, last thing before we wrap up, taking too much of your time already. Um, Hawks, did they overachieve in the playoffs last year and we had too high of expectations for them? Or is this, are they really fucking up and maybe need to do something? What's your, because I Trey Young is not the problem. They are a team like you've, like we've talked about other teams, they have a lot of depth. What do you see with the Hawks? What's your 30 seconds on the Hawks here to diagnose them for us? So I don't I don't necessarily think that the Hawks um uh were way better than we ever thought they could have been last year. I, I actually think that they're just underperforming this year. I think that um whether it's uh, Trey making a point to like step up on defense, not because he needs to be a key defender, but to show them that if point. we can play defense, we can win games. Maybe that's what it is. Um, but the roster is good enough to compete. It's so damn they deep, just, dude. They, they, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was like, Hey, we won last year. We are now have a seat at the table. Well, turns out, just because you win one year does not mean you automatically win the next year. Right? Yeah, you have to continue continuously win. And 
I think maybe Trey didn't realize that he's so young. He may not know that uh, there's not a lot of other guys on that team that have a lot of experience in that sense to tell mm-hmm. everybody like, Hey, last year does not matter at all. Right. This is a new season. Um, so I think that they'll turn it around. I, I, I genuinely think that this is going to be like a first half lull and they'll make maybe a, a 15 for 20, you know, 20 for 25 run at some point. But uh, that's surprisingly disappointing to see, honestly. And I'm not even mm-hmm. like a big Trey, pers- Trey, Trey Young person, but been, been unfortunate for sure. Yeah. Um, I'll end it with this. I think that, uh, you know, I don't know how the talks could win a championship in the next two or three years. Should trade for Ben Simmons. I think that's. I know that's been kind of out there, thrown out there on Twitter and some stuff. That to me is the perfect place to send Ben Simmons. Get rid of John Collins, maybe Bogey, and then you have a lineup where you have Trey, Huerter, Simmons, Capella, Collins. Maybe you have to trade, but that the pairing of Trey and Simmons. Oh, get Trey a little off ball like Steph a little more. Maybe that to me is. Uh, what I would do if I was the Hawks to maybe cash in on, cause they have a lot of depth, you know, with, um, you got reddish. There's another guy too. Who's quite good. Um, who's the, he was on Virginia Hunter, RJ Hunter or, uh, Deandre Hunter. Deandre. Deandre. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. they do have some stuff, but, uh, yeah. Talk about bringing it back to a 15 warriors, right? Like get a great shooter off ball, big man run point forward. You know, it's mm-hmm. there. Place Clay Thompson with the ginger. Put Bogdanovich running, running down the court, playing the, playing the two. Yeah, they have the blueprint. They just need to execute, you know. Mm -hmm. And they gotta play. They gotta play defense. Yeah, yeah, that's the. You can't compare yourself to the Warriors and be like the worst defensive team in the league. Yeah, we were 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 a defensive team first that could beat you with our offense. Yeah. So um, Clay Thompson's back, ladies and gentlemen, and it's great to have Alex Cantor back as well. Alex, um, I mean, this NBA season. Because it's so damn long. It's just heating up. So we hope to hear more from you. Uh, Take care, my friend, and thanks for joining. 100%. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, This has been the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob, episode 139. Thank you to Alex. Thank you to Big Dog. Thank you to Mark and Dustin for the music. Marley for the artwork. God bless. See you next time. Thank you.